morning, everyone. I'm Charlie Fink. It's May 7th. It's This Week in XR with Ted Chilowitz, the futurist at Viacom's Paramount Pictures. Uh, Y'all know me. Let's jump into the news, Ted. Morning, Charlie. How are you today? I'm great. We have a a friend of mine, Gabe Baker, uh, who has just launched a collaboration platform called Frame. Uh, io framevr.io which is um, part of verbella mm-hmm. uh, the two the 3d virtual world you navigate through your 2d screen like a video game uh, that is extremely popular with large corporations and obviously yeah. they you and i are had, big big yeah. fans of verbella and they've, and they've had designs on vr for some time and WebXR. so it'll be exciting to talk to gabe but meanwhile this week brought us some really interesting uh news First of all, the epic Apple trial started. Um, how much fun is this? Popcorn, please. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I, I feel like. I, I don't know. We know what to, where to start. What to, <laughs> what to say on this? Other than it feels like you know, Epic certainly went out with a with a zinger and kind of you know tossed the first piece in the arena and kind of you know game on. Here we go. Right? They're gonna. They're going to battle it out and see what uh, well, what's going to come of it. The Apple lawyers immediately forced Epic to reveal its entire business plan in detail, yeah. uh, including the royalties it pays to other platform makers. And you know, the truth is, Sony is all up in their business and is an investor, and it did not look good for Epic to show that they pay Sony way more than thirty percent mm-hmm. for carrying Fortnite on uh, PlayStation and they pony up a good penny to Microsoft. And apparently that was secret yeah. that uh, accidentally got revealed by the judge. Meanwhile, the call is, it's an open conference call. The entire trial is an open conference call and they left the mics of the audience open for the first three hours of the trial. <laughs> <laughs> now, anybody who's tried to have a private conversation in VR chat and is constantly interrupted by teenagers shouting gibberish uh, can imagine what it was like right. uh, on the party line for the trial. So right. uh, another example of high tech um, being derailed by a hilarious error. Yeah, kind of uh, like the Reddit effect in real life, right? Like the the, the chat is going <laughs> on simultaneously to this apparently very serious high stakes business going on in the main stage, as it were, and the audience could kind of hear it all, right? Dean, like, Dean Takahashi of GamesBeat has been uh, live streaming the trial. It is great. Uh, it, uh, the link is in today's column, but uh, my favorite zinger of the week um, where Epic compared the app store to a car salesman who expects a royalty on gas purchases. Right. So before we leave the topic of Apple, some of the stuff I've been tracking was that, you know, Apple, as we know, keeps acquiring pieces and parts of this mixed reality, augmented reality universe. And there was some news this week that they um, made a very significant investment, over $400 million investment into this optical manufacturer called 2.6 that's um, re- reflected in Roman numerals. Um, but it's all about sort of the back-end industry of how do you build these devices, right? It's not the, the sort of sexy front-end stuff that we talk about, about all the things that are going to be exposed to the world. It's how do you get into the manufacturing chain of actually creating stuff at scale, not just one-off, two-off demo products, but things that are going to really you know go wide and they have to invest significant money over long periods of time to achieve that. And one of those sort of, you know, another news nuggets kind of popped out this week that was- Interesting because, you know, we had news earlier this year that there was some kind of a manufacturing trial going on at Foxconn for an Apple either AR or VR 
product, it was not clear. We haven't heard anything about that, although not, that's not surprising because I, I think they may do a lot of those kinds of trials and, and they never yeah. amount to much. Yeah. Uh, so we shall see. Uh, moving along. Okay. Yeah, that's you great. got it, Elliot? I think it's an important one to cover. Yeah, Elliot, can you remind the um, editor what we just did here? He might be on mute. He is on mute. Yeah, he's on mute. He may not hear us. He might be in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll, we'll end the call and I'll send a note. To yeah, it's all good. All right. Okay. Have a good morning. You More too. to come. Yeah. Uh, moving on from the sublime to the ridiculous, Verizon finally ends its sad foray into media with AOL and Yahoo. And as a former AOL SVP, uh, let me just ask a question. AOL still exists? I thought it had been buried in shame and replaced by the only acquisition it didn't kill, TechCrunch. Yeah, as far as I know, AOL still does exist as a layer of this sort of news ether that people access. And, you know, there are lots of people of different age ranges and different computer sophistication in the world. And Yahoo and AOL are kind of vestiges of that. Yahoo, I think, has survived better because of their investment portal and some other things that are relevant to a lot of people. Yeah, uh, Yahoo Finance is linked to, is linked to from, uh, among other things, the, um, the stock uh, ticker on the uh, iPhone. So right. you can bet a lot of people are seeing it and using Correct. it. It yeah. is heavily integrated there. Um, and and their homepage, uh, like AOL, uh, is a news source for many people and, and uh, has a, a fairly strong editorial team that is really scanning uh, the news world, as, as is Google. Uh, yeah, but the numbers were quite significant, right? With uh, this private equity firm, very large private equity firm. $5 billion is a lot of money. Well, and, and it when was I went to work for AOL just... in 1995, it was worth a heck of a lot less than $5 billion. Yeah. And it was, you know, a sale for $9 billion not all that long ago to Verizon. So they basically halved it. And Apollo is an interesting company because they own like the Venetian and I think Smart and Final and Redbox, you know, the, the, like yeah, they, they're, yeah. they're a very wide swath kind yeah. of private equity firm that owns a lot of stuff. Okay. Well, it's, it's their turn now to see whether they can really realize any kind of a premium on that 5 billion. I mean, there is revenue, obviously advertising sure. revenue and subscription revenue and, you know, TechCrunch makes money. So, uh, you know, maybe there's a, there, there, we shall see. As Kara Swisher's book about AOL, her first book about AOL was titled, There is a Pony, Is There a Pony in Here Somewhere? <laughs> right, which was an old military saying, you know, because AOL was, was, you know, spun out of DARPA right, um, right. by, among other people, James Westmoreland, if you remember that mm -hmm. name. Um, so uh, they, they always had these great military metaphors around uh, the uh, company, in, including there must be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> so um, meanwhile, our friends at Facebook continue to acquire all of the best developers for the Quest. Uh, we know that they acquired Beat Saber and now they've got Downpour Interactive, development developer of the military simulation onward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and this is an interesting strategy, which you, you mentioned Sony earlier. This is a very Sony-like strategy to get your key core developers really close to your platform so that you can build exclusive titles. You can start to own the landscape. Right. You can start to build your you know, next generation of your, your walled garden and, and own that customer experience as much as you can. Um, the closest thing I would sort of make reference to is that really tight relationship with Naughty Dog to Sony, 
And interestingly enough, one of the you know key executives from um, Oculus Facebook came from Naughty Dog. So there's a there's a stylistic approach to own the best developers, or if you don't outright own them, either heavily invest in them or be extraordinarily aligned with them so that they support yeah. your platform rather than others. And that's the way you build well, it. It's hard to see anybody getting closer than uh, Epic Games and Sony, which is also an investor in the company. Perfect example, right. Another funding announcement this week, Arturis, uh, which does streaming volumetric video, raised $5 million. Now, streaming volumetric video, uh, for those of you who don't know what that means, it essentially means 3D without glasses. Yeah, and, and potentially way, way more than that, right? As we move into spatial um, universes, we are going to want and need video that is more than just a two-dimensional plane. Um, so there's another uh, a number of companies working on this. Clearly, like on the big boy side, Microsoft has had their hollow stage um, mm -hmm. initiative, and that's been going for a long time. Uh, I'm an investor and a partner in a small uh, startup that ties to that Arturix sort of DNA called 3Infinite, um, that is, you know, touching all of this stuff. And uh, I'm a big believer that uh, video will evolve from my sort of background as a guy that built, you know, movie cameras that took the first step in that equation. And employee number one at Red Camera, for those yeah. of you who don't know. So um, Ted, Ted has been doing this before uh, it was a thing. Yeah, so long, long talks about volumetric <laughs> video and the future of video, so yeah. So uh, last story before we go to, Gabe and our chat about framevr.io. Uh, Hickory Dickory Dock, Bike Dance, CFO now leads the flock. Um, the uh, Chinese uh, CFO turned CEO, uh, Shouzhou Chu, uh, seems unworried now about the breakup of TikTok or uh, federal demands that it divest itself of its American heavy user database. All of that gone like the fog in a California morning, Ted. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the much ado about nothing comment may be the most appropriate there, right? Uh, when we saw this all going down, everybody kind of cocked their head sideways that was involved in this going, you know, I get where they where someone could tie some threads of challenge to this stuff and be ultra concerned about it, but ultimately it was just posturing and, you know, it didn't really- Well, when you're killing 900,000 of your countrymen thinking it's going to help you get reelected, it's always good to throw up an occasional uh, distraction against a perceived foreign enemy. Right. Right, right, right. All right. So with that said, let's bring on Gabe, our guest for this morning, uh, Gabe Baker from Verbella. Sounds great. Our guest this morning is Gabe Baker. He's the product manager for FrameVR.io, which is the WebXR project of the uh, well-known VR, or I should say XR collaboration site, Verbella. Uh, which requires you download a big fat app and then you navigate like you do in Second Life. Um, it's been very successful and has boomed during the pandemic. But Alex Howland, the president, uh, freely admitted that they were headed in the direction of WebXR, avoid the download, with his in, which is anathema to most large enterprises who have IT departments precisely to prevent downloads like Verbella and the process for being approved to be on these networks is non-trivial. So WebXR, big priority for everybody in the remote collaboration space. And here Verbella has gone ahead and done it. Gabe Baker, welcome. And uh, we're excited to hear more uh, about your work at Verbella on FrameVR.io. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Sure. 
So maybe we should start with you describing um, FrameVR.io and what is it what is it that people can do there? How many uniques can it uh, accommodate? And um, what are the both functionality and use cases? Sure, that sounds great. So Frame, first of all, I encourage everyone simply to uh, go ahead and try this stuff on your own. You can just head to the website, make an account for free, and you can even create a couple frames yourself just for free. So at, at framevr.io, you'll, you'll be off to the races. We when you say a frame, you mean an instance of the simulation that is private? Yep, exactly right. So each frame is its own space. It's its own website. You'll get a unique URL for each of your frames. And if you send someone that URL and they click on it and then they click the connect button and you're in that space as well, then you'll be able to see them and interact with people uh, right out of the gate. And that's really one of our kind of North Star goals is just to make it as easy as possible for people to come together in spaces like this. So, you know, if your frame is just uh, open and online, it's just a link and a click away. Um, and I've been in a lot of meetings with people who have been in a lot of different tools like this. And one thing I have heard is that, look, this was just the easiest way to be talking with someone in a 3D space. And, and that's super important to us. And mm -hmm. once then once you're in there, uh, of course, the challenging part for everyone playing in this space is, well, what can you do in there that actually makes this more valuable than uh, a Zoom call or, or the other, a phone call even, which is a, a fair competitor to any of us in this space. Um, so once you're in frame with other people, we try to make it easy to customize the space in pretty interesting ways. So yes, you can bring in images, you can brand the space how you want, but then you can also bring in 360 photos. You can bring in 3D models if you've got them in the .glb format. You can bring in whiteboards, which you can use on desktop uh, or mobile uh, or VR, of course. In VR, it's, it's easier because you're, using your VR controller instead of awkwardly clicking and dragging your mouse. Um, and then we also try to make it easy to build just a little bit of interactivity. We're not like a Unity 3D, we're not an Unreal Engine, but if you just wanna make a button that people can click and it does a simple thing like transports them somewhere or opens another link, takes them to another frame, you can build that stuff in frame uh, without writing a line of code. So we're, we're big believers in like the low code and kind of no code sort of movement that's been enabling a lot of creatives to do a lot of cool things. And we wanna bring uh, a lot of that to frame too. In terms of the scale, Charlie, you asked about scale. Of course, this is one of the first questions uh, we all hear uh, as soon as I get people in frame, they're saying, how many can I have in here? Um, when we launched the frame beta in January of 2020, it was eight. Midway through 2020, it was 15. The end of 2020, it was 30. Now it's 40. The, the rate at which this is going up is gonna continue for the foreseeable future. Um, we have a new feature in Frame where even if your frame is full, people can join as spectators. They can come in, they can see everything, hear everything and move around. They just don't have avatars. They can't be seen or heard themselves. Doesn't make sense for every event, but it makes sense for some, some use cases. Uh, we're letting a few early clients try out even larger scale up to 60, 70, um, but we haven't opened that up to the, the broader public just yet. I think what's interesting, and I'll, I'll refer to our friend uh, Eric Shamlin, who works for Media Monks, who we had on as a guest a few weeks ago. Uh, he gets credit for creating at least this terminology in my mind and on this podcast, what, we, um, what he referred to as the seven sisters effect. 
and I hadn't really heard that term, but we instantly knew what he meant, is that within the worlds of technology, within things built across the layer of the power of silicon in all forms, right? Um, you almost instantly in any industry or sub-industry get what he referred to, and now we refer to as the seven sisters effect, where you very quickly get seven instances, seven companies attempting to do something. And then it all becomes yep. about the nuances and those little moments of uniqueness and excitement and fun and that sort of you know social tissue, connective tissue that allows one to rise above the other. So when we talk about yep. video chat clients, we can all think of right off the bat, oh well, yeah, I can probably name seven. I actually probably can name 20 now, but I can name seven yep. right off the bat. And the nuances of Zoom kind of locking in and making that something that just happened to lock in correctly is something that's yep. really interesting from a historical standpoint to study how did that happen? How did they overtake Skype, right? Uh, yep. And uh, in your case, I think it's an interesting thing to address. Like what are your unique capabilities compared to others in the industry that are doing similar things? And are you leaning more into the web side of it, the VR side of it, neutral sort of stance on that? It's an interesting area to pursue. That, it, it, that's a great question. and. I'm the kind of guy, I'm not a sales person. Um, I'm the kind of guy who is very game to be very transparent about the limitations in frame and also really appreciate the strengths in other platforms. I think right now, generally the big value prop for frame is that it runs from a browser, but there are other tools out there that do this too. Mozilla Hubs has a very good WebXR collaboration platform. Uh, I think Wanda VR is another uh, fantastic player. And you know, at, at a certain key level as the web browser becomes more powerful and, and everyone has really fancy looking graphics, it's really going to be, as you said, these little nuances that hook people in or not. I think more often they're going to have to do with the user interface um, kind of design things. We've had some people that they come from hubs and they say, yeah, the, the user interface and frame is just a little bit easier, but there are always certain features that people kind of latch onto, certain design things where once they get used to it, they don't want, they're afraid to move to something else or they just don't want to. What's interesting about the web though is that you know, the web from its inception was an, an interconnected node of different places that you can travel between. And I actually love the idea of, you know, making it so that yes, if someone has a, a hubs, a Mozilla hubs page, that's great. They should be able to bounce there really easily from frame back and forth in the way that they travel from any website to another website. So we recently made it so that if you're in an Oculus Quest and you click a link to go to a hubs page or any other WebXR page, you can, go there without breaking immersion. It, it leaves you in VR mode. And right. we had some pushback saying, oh, we, you should only do this if you go from frame to frame. We said, no, 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 you should do this. Yeah, if you you're, go from frame you're a fan to, of yeah. open architecture, right? You understand yep. the value of open architecture and its power, yep. right? Yep. Uh, Charlie, you're on mute. Yeah. There you go. Uh, they're, do they're still doing construction outside the office. So I, I, go to, uh, I go to mute to avoid them hammering while you're talking as well. Uh, two things that, that I wanted to bring up in this context, one, of course, is that I wrote a book last year called Remote Collaboration and Virtual Conferences. Uh, when we published that book, I think there were 28 companies in the virtual uh, remote collaboration space where I would place a remote collaboration and training space, I should say, which is where I would put uh, frame. Uh, so now it's over 40. Right, because people are fishing where the fish are. They perceive the need. Um, Verbella, you know, quickly expanded and saw the opportunity uh, on the web. We have 40 sisters now. Of those 40 companies, exactly two of them, the two we're talking about, Frame and Mozilla, are WebXR. Right. 
the other observation I wanted to make is everyone has the same product roadmap. Some are farther along than others. Um, you know, I recently was talking to Jacob Lowenstein at uh, Spatial, who was joking about this, right? He's like, everybody has the same product document that they're trying to create for uh, a collaboration space. So Gabe, on that uh, product roadmap, what are, would you say are the top three pieces of functionality aside from one click that you yeah. have to have to compete with those other 40 companies in the space? Yeah, so I think I think the one um, that we, we've only just started making inroads in is this idea of helping people who are not developers make their frame, make their space more interactive than just what they can bring in and look at with other people. It's going to be these little buttons, these little triggers that you can set up. Um, Starting simple, like, oh, you know, obviously click a button to play a sound, but then getting a little bit more complex. I think these are the things that will really sort of invigorate these spaces in ways that go beyond people sitting in a virtual auditorium looking at a screen in front of the, 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 the stand. Um, mm -hmm. uh, another, though, is, you know, I, I do think this scale is one of them. Um, now, there, you might have seen last week, there was a WebXR concert, uh, the Secret Sky concert in WebXR that had like hundreds of thousands of people. It kind of blew the lid off like what everyone thought WebXR could do. Mm -hmm. um, I will say one, it's not an exciting one, but I think we're going to really surprise people with demonstrating what the web browser can accommodate in terms of scale coming up. Uh, but Charlie, you're certainly right that this is whatever you ask any XR company and they'll say, yeah, we're, we're working on scale. We're going to have more numbers. Everyone, uh, everyone says this. Um, so we'll see, but I, I think that interactivity is one kind of overlapping with that first point is we're really interested in giving presentations in these spaces. And, and, you know, when most people, they think, oh, I'll give a presentation inside of my VR space. They think I'll bring in a PDF and have everyone look at it together in all space. This is like the, the prototype alt space VR event is everyone's and that's the seats looking at a thing up front. But I think that the company that really nails like really taking advantage of the 3D space to create spatial presentations that you can guide your audience through as you tell your story in space. I think that's an area that we're gonna really innovate on and, and surprise people with in a few months. I, I also think it's worth getting your opinion on what Charlie and I refer, would refer to as, you know, the big top, the big circus tent that is kind of attempting to surround this all and attack it from all uh, areas, which is Facebook themselves, right? Uh, with now reports that over 10,000 of their employees are working in some fashion in virtual reality, mixed reality. Um, and they continue to attempt this with more and more resources. Do you have a take on, is that good for the industry, bad for the industry? How do you survive in that industry? Uh, everybody's got an opinion on that. So I think you probably have it. I think it's, uh, it's very good until at a certain point, it'll be very bad. It's, it, it, it's tough. I think Facebook, they've sort of floundered around a little bit with social so far. Horizon, they hyped in a bit of a strange way, and now it's still in, in this kind of nebulous, nascent phase, and no one really knows exactly what's You're going on. There's not much there, there yet. Yeah. yeah, there's not much there, but it's clear that they have huge, as you, you know, they've got a huge team working on it. And, and, well, and the good thing the about being Facebook, right, is you have an unlimited number of at-bats, right? If you're a startup and you get it wrong, you're done. But yeah. if you're Facebook, you can get social wrong over and over and over again, and then go buy somebody for three billion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And we've probably got one shot at this frame thing because so many good people and smart people are hungry in this space. But absolutely, Facebook, they can they can take 10 cracks at this and not and start break a, just barely break a sweat. 
So I'll see. The, the thing that with Facebook that's good right now is they do seem to be genuinely interested in promoting pr any product that helps them sell quests. You know, their quest revenue numbers are now starting to get interesting, I'd say. And we've seen companies that are just starting to wholesale this buy quests for every employee that comes on. So mm -hmm. they genuinely, when they, when we have, we've been in some conversations with them, and they genuinely do just seem interested in helping us tell our story with the end goal of just getting more quests sold. Now, is it probably just a matter of time before they really start encouraging people to use the Facebook Workplace VR solution? Sure, but our hope is that they do that in a way that isn't entirely uh, exclusive to other players in this space. And I think Charlie is is, is right, is that there, and, and you're right, but there's a second end goal, right? End goal one is they're trying to get that adoption curve. End goal two is they're trying to cultivate and support all of these smaller uh, companies to find which ones they want to acquire or aqua hire and pull those resources in to make the right product with the right features organically um, and learn from the ecosystem around them. And I think that's a, a very typical stance of giant tech companies is yep. you do so much yourself, but at some point you actually need to get into the innovators dilemma side of it and find those companies that have a totally different value set and then elevate them or lock them into your way of thinking at some point. And that's a, yeah, that's a business. And thereby completely co-opt and corrupt them and defeat the reason that you acquired them in the first place. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that seems to be a theme uh, in today's news. Yeah, that's welcome to the world. Yeah. Gabe, thank yeah. you for joining us this morning. It was great Thanks, to talk to you. Congrats, on, congrats on frame. And uh, thank you. it's gonna be interesting to see how it develops. Um, I have uh, personally made a big bet that I think uh, Verbella is one of the collaboration companies that is um, gonna come out on top. And I think this is a great step in that direction, um, shows the company is ready to compete with itself. So uh, that's that's you know how you get around the innovator's dilemma is you figure out a way to compete with yourself. You have an entrepreneurial culture and you get teams like uh, the Frame team uh, to make great products. Yeah, right on. Thanks, thanks again for having me. All right, bye Gabe. Yep. That's our show for this week, everybody. Have a great weekend, and thank you again for listening. We'll see you next Friday.